This morning's scripture reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for the letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. The word of God for the people of God. When I was growing up at the Menominee First United Methodist Church, there was a man in the church, his name was Art. Art was, was just a little guy. He had white hair and big, bushy eyebrows. And Art was, was one of those guys who was always hanging around the church, always helping out in some sort of a way. During the week, he would go out and, and mow the church grass. He would flip pancakes when the United Methodist men got together to have breakfast. On Sunday morning, he would serve as an usher and help to pass the offering plate around. Art was, was one of those guys who was always, always at the church for one reason or another. But Art was much older than I was, and I probably wouldn't remember Art at all, except for this this story that my mother loves to tell. My mom loves to tell the, the story of something that happened when I was just about four years old. Now, one Sunday when I was about four years old, we all got into the car after worship, and I was just bouncing off the walls with excitement. There was an announcement that I wanted to make, big news I wanted to, to share with my family. So from the back seat of the car, I announced to my parents, I said, guess what? God said hi to me this morning. My parents didn't know what to make of that. They, they weren't sure that they had heard me correctly, and so they asked me to, to repeat myself, and so I did. I said, this morning in church, God said hello to me. I got to talk to God in church today. Well, my parents, they asked some, some follow-up questions, and finally they were able to work out exactly what had happened. It turns out that I had made a, a very logical and reasonable deduction for, for a four-year-old. What happened was this, at a certain point in worship, each week there came a moment when the pastor would stand up in front of the church and he would say, and now let us give our tithes and our offerings to God. And then this small man with white hair and big bushy eyebrows would pick up a plate and he would walk around the church and everybody would, would give him money. And so as a four-year-old, I made a very reasonable deduction. I put two and two together and I concluded that this man with the white hair and the big bushy eyebrows must be this God person that everybody was always going on about. It was, it was a perfectly reasonable deduction for a four-year-old to 
to make. You know, I, I, I will tell you, my mom loves to tell that story still to this day. She gets a, a kick out of it. But I have to confess this to you. Now, I know that at this point in my life, all these years later, I ought to have a very uh, nuanced and theologically informed and seminary trained picture of God in, in my head. But I have to admit to you that still to this day, whenever somebody says the word God, there is a part of my brain, a small part of my brain somewhere that pictures a man with white hair and and big bushy eyebrows because he was always hanging around the church because he was somebody who who lived his faith in in that way art became part of what I picture when I when I picture God and the moral of the story is is really pretty simple to to understand the moral of the story is very simply this if you hang around the church long enough sooner or later somebody is going to mix you up with God if you are are a church person, if you spend enough time talking about God, if you spend enough time trying to follow God, if people discover that you are a person of faith, sooner or later somebody is going to to mix you up in their head with the picture of God. You know, the Bible tells us that we are God's ambassadors in this world. We are God's hands. We are God's voice. We are sometimes even God's face in this world. And what that means is that you and I, those of us who call ourselves church people, we have got a a tremendous power and an awesome responsibility. We have got the power to shape the way that people think of God, the way that people picture God. And the responsibility is that every day you and I have a decision that we have to make. We have a choice to make. Do we give people a picture of God that leads to life? Or do we give people a picture of God that leads to death? Not everybody uses this power responsibly. A few years ago, I I met a woman who did me the honor of telling me her story. She told me about her years growing up in this this little country church. She talked about what a a joy it was to grow up in this beautiful little church. She, as a girl, sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, in Sunday school. And and she played an angel in the Christmas pageant every year. As she got older, she became an acolyte. She would light the candles before worship. And then she became a, a scripture reader. She would stand in front of the church and read the Bible some some Sundays, and she she felt at home at this church. She felt safe and comfortable and deeply loved in this church. She felt so safe and comfortable and deeply loved in this church that one day at youth group as a teenager, she did something that was very courageous. She told her pastor and her church friends that she was gay. And that night, the pastor asked her if she would mind staying after youth group a little bit to have a conversation. And so after youth group, she stuck around and she sat down with the pastor. And then the pastor began to preach a, a kind of a sermon to her. And he wasn't angry, he didn't shout, but instead he seemed sad and disappointed. And in this sermon that he preached to her, he used, he used words and phrases like, The Bible clearly teaches. And love the sinner, hate the sin. He used words like abomination and perversion. And then when he finished this sermon that he was preaching to her, he prayed with her, and he sent her on her way. That young woman, that teenage girl, she walked out of the church that night with a completely new picture in her head of who God was. 
Now, all her life she had pictured God as a, a kind and gentle and a loving father. But as she walked out of that church that night, as she tried to picture God, the only thing that she could picture was the sadness and disappointment that she saw in her pastor's eyes. And as she tried to talk to God on her way out of the church that night, the words abomination and perversion and sinner kept echoing around in her head. She left the church that night with a brand new, a completely different picture in her mind, in her heart of who God was. That night was the night of her very first suicide attempt. It was years before she was able to talk to God again. It was more than a decade before she was able to work up the courage to walk through the doors of a church again. More than a decade before she was able to begin to picture God again as someone who loved her just exactly as she was. We have the power in the things that we say, in the things that we do. We have the power to shape the way that people picture God, the way that people think of God. If you hang around church long enough, eventually your face is going to become part of the face that people see when they think of God. If we change the way people think of God, we change their hearts, we change their lives, we change their destinies, we change the world. That's what happened to this man named Saul. In today's scripture reading, we have the story of a moment when this man named Saul suddenly receives a completely different picture of God, and it changes his heart, and it changes his mind, and it it changes his life. Saul was was an up-and-coming religious leader. Saul was a young man who had been to all of the right universities. He had studied with all of the finest professors. He had this incredible resume, and people looked at Saul, and they said, there there is a young man on his way up. He is going places. He's going to be a a star someday. Saul had this, this incredible resume, but it wasn't enough for this young man, Saul. Saul didn't want to be an up and comer. He wanted to be at the top. He wanted to be somebody who was admired. He wanted to be that star, and he wanted to be that star now. He wanted to be respected by people. He wanted everybody to know just just how wonderful he was. And so he started looking around for a way to make a name for himself, a way to distinguish himself. And as Saul was looking around, he noticed this group of people. There was a new religious movement there in the city of Jerusalem, a group of people who were calling themselves the, the followers of the way. It sounded like some kind of a cult to Saul. And so he did a little research. He found out what he could about these people. There, there wasn't much that he could find out about them. They were sort of secretive and kept to themselves. It was almost as if they were afraid of, of strangers and outsiders. But this is as much as he could gather. He discovered that they, these people, they worshipped a man named Jesus. And that seemed wrong to Saul because he knew that the Bible clearly says that we should worship the Lord our God and only the Lord our God. And he also discovered that these people, these followers of Jesus, that they were a bunch of of misfits. They were a ragtag group of people who had been rejected and turned away from every other religious group in town. When these followers of Jesus got together, there there were sinners and tax collectors among them. There were lepers and sex workers among them. There were were eunuchs and immigrants among them. All of the people the Bible tells us are unclean. All of the people who weren't allowed to 
enter the temple, to walk into the house of God. They were welcome among these followers of Jesus. And not only that, these followers of Jesus had this crazy idea that all of these weirdos were God's beloved children, that these were the people who were dearest to God's heart, that these were the people who consisted of, of God's family in this world. Saul looked at these, these people and he saw in them an easy and convenient target. He said, here's a bunch of people who nobody will ever miss. Here's a bunch of people nobody will ever stand up for. And so Saul started making speeches about how dangerous these people were. He started making speeches about the, the threat that they posed to the peace and the well-being and the spiritual faith of the people of the city of Jerusalem. And then when he would make these speeches, he would say, but don't worry, I'm going to take care of this problem for you. And Saul started to make a name for himself as the chief persecutor of the followers of Jesus. Saul would gather mobs and posses together. He would root people out. He would drag people out of their houses in the middle of the night. He had people imprisoned. He had chains clamped around people's wrists. He had people tortured and stoned to death, executed. Saul started to make a name for himself as the person who hated the followers of Jesus more than anybody else hated the followers of Jesus. And his plan, it started to work. The more he persecuted the Jesus people, the more his reputation grew, the more his fame increased. People looked at Saul and they said, look how much he loves the Lord. Look how seriously he takes his faith. Saul's name was spoken in every synagogue across the land. Saul, Saul's plan was working perfectly until this one day when this, this strange and unexpected thing happened. Saul was on his way to a, a place called Damascus. He had a, a mob of people he collected together, and they were going to the city of Damascus because they heard that there was a, a cell of these Jesus people there. They were going to Damascus to root these people out, to bring them back to Jerusalem, to accuse them of blasphemy, to accuse them of heresy, to put them on trial. And as Saul was traveling with his companions along the road to Damascus, suddenly, suddenly something happened. Saul was surrounded by a dazzling light, a light that was so brilliant it blinded Saul, a light that was so bright it knocked him off his feet. And as he was sitting there on his rear end in the middle of that road, he, he heard a voice. The voice called his name. It said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul there on his rear end in his blindness, he responded to the voice. He said, who are you, Lord? And the voice said to him, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And in that moment, Saul's world turned completely upside down. In that moment, Saul suddenly received a completely new picture of who God is. Up until that point in his life, whenever Saul pictured God, he pictured, he pictured a man with a gray beard standing in a pulpit. He pictured a, a man with white hair and big bushy eyebrows. He pictured Moses coming down the mountain with the tablets of the law, one in each arm. Up until that moment, whenever Saul thought of God, he pictured a king seated high above all of the people of the world, seated high on a throne. But in that moment, that voice, it erased all of those pictures from Saul's head the way a, a four-year-old might shake and etch a sketch and, and wipe it clean. And suddenly all of those pictures that Saul had in his mind of who God is and, and what God is, suddenly they were replaced by the faces of every person he had ever persecuted. 
Now when Saul tried to think of God, all he could picture was the faces of parents he had dragged away from their screaming children. Now when he tried to think of God, all he could picture was the, the faces of people who lost all hope as chains were clamped around their wrists. Now when he thought of God, all he could picture was the faces of, of people who were dying as rocks were, were raining down on them. Suddenly in that moment, Saul received a completely new picture of God, a picture that changed his heart and changed his life from that day forward. Saul saw God in the face of every person he met and he discovered that he didn't have the heart to persecute anybody or cause people pain anymore. From that day forward, Saul decided that he was going to identify himself to the world in a different way. Saul started identifying himself as Paul. Saul, the persecutor of the Jesus people, became Paul, the follower of Jesus. He became an apostle, a leader in the church, not just a leader in the church. He became the apostle of love. He became the apostle of inclusion. Saul spent the rest of his life making sure that no one was ever turned away from God's family. No one was ever excluded from the table of Jesus. Saul's life was changed. It was turned upside down all because in an instant on a dusty road on the way to Damascus he discovered the beautiful and powerful truth at the heart of the Christian faith. God does not look like a man with a gray beard standing in a pulpit. God does not look like a man seated on a throne high above the people of this world. God, God looks like a man who is dying on a cross. God looks like a teenage girl whose pastor has just told her that she's an abomination. God looks like a young person whose uncle hasn't spoken to them in, in four years. God looks like a trans person who has just been attacked by a stranger in the streets for the umpteenth time. God looks like a bunch of people who got together on a Saturday afternoon in a park in Flint to celebrate love in a world that has only shown them hate and rejection. When we can look in their faces and know that we are looking into the face of God, then our hearts will change, then our churches will change, then the world will be transformed and made new. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would open our eyes. We pray that when we leave this place today, we would see you in the face of everyone we meet. We pray that you would, would make it impossible for us, just as you made it impossible for Saul, to cause anyone pain, to persecute any of your children. God, we pray that you would give us a new picture of who you are, of what you are, of how you work in this world, that we might be transformed. In Jesus we pray. Amen.